0: out, and um, I'm going to be reading a number of uh, scriptures today. I don't know if we've been able to uh, put all of those on the screen overhead. Uh, Hopefully, we can get some of them. I know it will seem like a lot. I don't usually give you as many verses. In fact, I've been told before that you ought not give people but two or three passages to find, and this morning, I'm going to violate that rule. Uh, because um, I need to float around and just share a couple of things that uh, I think are really important. In fact, uh, next week, I'm going to spring off this message into next week and uh, share with you uh, what I believe some of what the heart of God is in the earth. You know, the last couple of decades, probably starting back in the mid-1980s, the circles that you and I are a part of right now... um, They've been called Charismatic Circles, Pentecostal Circles, Full Gospel, Spirit-filled. I mean, there's all sorts of labels that have been thrown out in order to describe who we are. <laughs> Maybe the best label is the one, whatever God's up to, I want to be a part of it. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I want to personally be identified with. But I, I just want to say cl- clearly and right up front, I believe in the present moving of God. I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and well... And he's moving in the earth today. And uh, I want to be a part of whatever the Holy Spirit's revealing and doing. And I know he's got an agenda. I know he's raising up his church to be of great influence and impact in the earth. And so I know that, that God always ends things greater than he started them. God isn't going to finish up his church plan with the church's tail between its legs. I believe that the church is going to be a powerful, glorious, incredibly impactful entity in the earth. And and these things being so, and these things which probably I will get into more next week with regards to the promise of the Lord as to who we were created to be and what we were created to do in the earth. Um, Despite all of those things which I affirm, the last two decades of our circles, to be candid, have been somewhat... I guess the best, most delicate word I can use is frustrating. I'm frustrated because I watch so many notable people, television personalities, fall because they lack character. I see so many silly doctrines get propagated where everybody just embraces it before they think about it. And it has convinced me that now is the time to teach some things, especially to you, because I have at least some level of shepherding authority over you. But I know that a great number of people hit the iTunes site and listen all over the world. I was amazed. I saw some of the statistics the other day, and I saw people listen in Iraq and Afghanistan. I can only assume that those are probably military people. I don't know that the Taliban is probably listening to me, but, but I will believe. You never know. That's true. You never know. But nonetheless, it's probably military people. But I'd like to just, in as much as I have influence, to begin to teach something, at least this Sunday and next Sunday, that hopefully can help keep you from being shipwrecked in your spiritual life. I'm really concerned that people have already shipwrecked themselves. But if I can, if I can somehow keep that from happening, I would really like to do that. I believe that our greatest need in the hour that you and I are living in as Christian people, and especially those of us who would say we're spirit-filled believers, I believe the greatest need in this hour is discernment. I'll say it again. The greatest need you have is discernment. I believe in all the miracles, signs, wonders, gifts, and the move of God. Hear me now. I believe in all that stuff. Let it rip potato chip. But we are desperately in need of some discernment. I believe that God's going to do some incredible things in the last days and in the last hours. I believe that as God does unprecedented Things that we've never seen before in all of our life Would it be hard or difficult for you to believe that perhaps There will also be The enemy doing unprecedented things That we've probably never seen or heard before in fact, I honestly believe that a part of The deception that will be loosed in last days will not only be a deception that will enter into the areas of business and commerce and the marketplace, will not only enter into politics and government and uh, governments of nations, but I believe a part of that deception will infiltrate itself straight into the life of the church. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is that I may not be able to stop what happens in nations. I may not be able to stop what happens on Wall Street. I may not be able to stop what happens on a global basis, but I sure enough can do my part to help stop what could take place within the life of God's people. And I want to read you just a couple of things just to show you I'm not a fruit loop because it's written in the scripture and I'm just going to make a couple comments before we get to what I want to share this morning. In Matthew 24 and 23, Matthew 24, 23, this is Jesus speaking. He says, then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now, it would be fairly easy, would it not, if someone came along and said, hey, I'm Jesus. I mean, if someone came up to you and said, I'm Jesus... It would be fairly easy, I would think. Your discernment levels would not have to be all that high in order to say, don't think so. But you need to understand that Christ had greater meaning than just what we think to be Jesus' last name. You know, most people think that's what Jesus' last name was. Jesus Christ, sort of like Kevin Baird. Jesus Christ. There's no equating the two. I'm just saying people think that Christ is his last name. Christ was not his last name. Christ means the anointed one. So you have to understand it as you're reading the Scripture. It says, if anyone says to you, look, here is the anointing. Here is the anointing, or there is the anointing. He says, don't, don't necessarily believe it. He says, for there will be false Christ, little c, and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive the elect if it were possible. So what he's saying here is, is that in last days, there's going to be a release in the earth, I believe, of what many of what many will say is the anointing, but be careful, he says. Be careful; they may scramble to go see what's called an anointing. However, it could be counterfeit, so be careful. Is what he's saying. Now look over in Second Timothy chapter three again. I'm just going to make a couple comments before we get into what I really want to touch on. Second Timothy chapter three, Second Timothy three verse one. He says, but know this, Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, know this, that in last days, my version says perilous, it means vicious, savage, grievous, it's going to be hard, difficult times will come. It won't be difficult just because the economy is going bad or you can't find a job or how am I going to pay my bills, but he goes on and gives a list of some of the things that are going to be extremely difficult in the last days that will be That will be painful and hard and he goes through this list until he finally gets to verse 5 and he says having having a form of godliness or in other words there's going to be a structure there's going to be there's there's going to be some level of demonstration of godliness or what is perceived to be godliness but it says denying its power from such people Paul writes turn away. And I've often taught from that particular passage that, that in last days, don't think there won't be church. There will be church, but what will happen is that there will be a denial for the need of godliness, and there's going to be a denial of the power that springs forth from a godly life. Can I just say this real quick? I have, I have reconciled many things in my mind with regards to our circles and our movement, with regards to people who seem to be able to move in power and anointing, and yet they demonstrate little character. And I've often said to myself, Lord, why is that? Why is it that these people seem to be able to move in power? There seems to be something of what we would call an anointing, but when you look at their lives, there doesn't seem to be a lot of character. I don't get how it is that these things work together. And and for years, I have reconciled that in my mind by the verse out of Romans that says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance, which means that you can be called of God, you can originally be anointed of God, you can have an incredible gift working in your life, and you can go in a wrong direction. And despite going in a wrong direction, it may not diminish the power of that call. It may not diminish the power of what is perceived to be an anointing. Despite the fact there's no character that's being demonstrated in there as well. Now, I'm going to be the first to admit that I want God to link character and power together because it helps me discern. Is that not true? I mean, if the dude was powerless, you could say, hmm, must not be any character there. That would be easy. But apparently that's not how it works. God says, no, there's going to be a call. It's going going to, to move in so many ways like a legitimate servant of the Lord, a godly person, but there's not going to be any character because there are some things that are irrevocable. But can I just share this with you? And, and it, I believe this is what the Lord has shown me, that in last days, as there is this deception that goes, grows greater and greater and greater, and the deception is this, that there will be signs and wonders, there will be miracles, there will be all kinds of things as it's produced from an unrighteous or characterless source, Despite that working, I believe based on this verse that there's going to come a moment in church history that we've yet to get to that God is going to unleash a power that is of such magnitude that will be linked to character and that he will bring forth his bride, a spotless bride without without wrinkle, without spot it says, he's going to bring forth his bride in such incredible power and purity that there will be no misunderstanding in the earth come judgment day when someone says well gee lord i thought that was the real church or i thought that was the real one and i just you know i didn't know let me tell you god is going to leave everyone without excuse there will be no yeah buts on the day of judgment there will be not about but 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 lord but, but, but 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 the lord's gonna say nope nope It will be plain and it will be clear. And then finally in Revelation 13, 13, depending on how you like to structure the book of the Revelation, we see the Antichrist and the false prophet beginning to come forth into the earth, what many would assume to be the tribulation period. And in Revelation 13 and 13, speaking of the false prophet, it says here, He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who is wounded by the sword and lives. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but my personal understanding with that is this, that when the false prophet shows up, that he's going to have the ability, it says that he'll call fire down from heaven. And I read that, and suddenly it dawned on me that he's going to have the capacity to call down a false Pentecost. You know what happened on the day of Pentecost, don't you? Tongues of fire, fire fell. But it says here that the false prophet's going to have the ability to do the same thing. Call down fire from heaven, showing great signs which he was granted to do. I share all these verses with you simply to underscore the point that, folks, you and I are in the beginning stages, if not in the middle of what is defined as last days. And we need to begin to cultivate greater discernment. If you don't have discernment, it's going to be very hard to navigate the days you and I are living in. So I want to share just a few moments, hopefully, and again, forgive me for making you turn to all these different verses, but uh, I think it to be important that we at least get a little broader view of the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, I want to read to you the verses that I want to spring off of concerning discernment. Hebrews 5, verse 12, and the lesson I've entitled this morning is sharpening your discernment. Sharpening your discernment. Hebrews 5.12, this is what he writes. He says, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Stoicaia, it literally means the ABCs. He goes, You ought to be farther along, but you're still singing the ABC song. ABCD. You know, that's how you know the song, right? This is what he's looking at them saying. He's saying you should be much farther, but we're still singing the ABC song in the things of the spirit. He says you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. Verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. In other words, you're of maturity. That is those who who by reason of use... (laughs) Wow, you could just stay there for a while. If you don't use it... Those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I want to talk about sharpening your discernment. Now, the writer of Hebrews is basically saying that an undiscerning person... Is basically an immature person it has nothing to do with how long you have been a believer i have seen people who have been quote in the church for 20 30 years and i mentioned this to leadership class one time just because you've been a christian for 30 years doesn't mean you're 30 years into maturity sometimes people uh, are about two years old in the lord they've just lived those same two years 15 times And so you've got 30 years under your belt living in the kingdom, but you've only got two years with regards to your maturity. And that's what he's saying here to these Hebrews. So it doesn't doesn't matter how long they think they've been a believer. He says they ought to be teachers by this time, but yet they still need to be taught. And it all boiled down to, at least in this passage, with regards to how well they discerned. Discerned. Discernment is going to be one of the greatest indicators of your maturity. It doesn't matter how much information you have, it doesn't matter how many verses you may know. Now, these things may have their place and they are important. But maturity is going to boil down to a couple different areas, and one of those areas is your ability to discern. Discernment. Discernment. If you can't discern all that you've done and all that you know and all that you've studied and all that you've participated in really doesn't have much use in your life now let's define what discernment is i believe i put it on the screen discernment is the ability to detect to recognize and to perceive beyond the obvious to the actual The ability to detect, to recognize, or to perceive beyond the obvious to the actual. Now, let me give you a couple of examples. For instance, the Bible tells us on a couple of occasions, Jesus would be amongst the crowds, maybe the Pharisees or the Sadducees would have showed up, and all of a sudden they're in this interaction, and then suddenly a word will show up. For instance, he would perceive in their hearts. He would perceive their thoughts. In fact, even the woman at the well, when Jesus showed up and begins interacting with her, the Bible says, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Now, Jesus didn't come and say, I'm a prophet. Look at me. See, I got the t-shirt. Prophet. But there was something in the woman as well as something that would move in Jesus that the word perceive would be used, and that perception meant that they could see beyond what was before them, what was obviously before them, and they could kind of look behind the curtain or look behind the veil and see what actually was there. I call discernment your spiritual radar. For those of you that don't know how a radar works, and again, technology has caused certain things to, to be changed, but in its most simplistic form, a radar has the ability, if you have a radar... For instance, my dad was an air traffic controller and, and he gave directions to airlines as they were moving from city to city. And let's say those airliners were flying through clouds or fog or, or in inclement weather and they couldn't see very far in front of them. Well, the radar gave them the ability to see what was out there beyond what was falling in front of them. That's what your discernment is. Your discernment is like your radar. You have the capacity to fly And be able to cut through some of the smoke that gets blown. And some of the fog and some of the stuff that's in front of you. Discernment can cut through all of that just like a radar. And you can begin to see a little bit of what's ahead of you. Now, the question is, is that if we're to be discerning, where does discernment come from? If I'm supposed to have discernment, and that's one of the qualities of being a mature person, then where does this come from? Well, let me give you, again, a couple of verses. You can write these down. Check them out later if you want. Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter 2, verse 8. Mark 2, verse 8, we read this. It says, but immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, He perceived in his spirit. Your discerner is in your spirit. Hear me. Your discerner is not in your mind. And it's not in your feelings. I've had people say this. Well, I feel. Well, I don't care what you feel. Your feelings have been wrong before. In fact, if you follow your feelings and you have, you're in all kinds of trouble. So your emotions... And your, your reasoning faculties are not involved with discernment. Those things come out of your soul. It doesn't say he perceived out of his soul. It says he perceived out of his spirit. In First Corinthians, again, chapter 2, verse 11, it says, uh, in fact, we'll just drop down to, uh, well, we'll start with verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, verse 12, We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So Paul writes here, he says, you got to understand the only way you can really know something is out of your spirit. That's what he's saying. So your discerner comes from your inner man. Your discerner comes from that spirit portion of who you are. And I like Proverbs 20, verse 27, because it says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. And what that means is, is that your spirit, when, when you were enlivened by the Holy Spirit, when you, were, when you were born again, when you became a believer, when God quickened you from death unto life, and all of a sudden your inner man arose, and your spirit man became alive, the Bible tells us that that inner man, that spirit, is, is like a flashlight. It's the lamp of the Lord. And and the reason he gave us that is because we live in a dark world. Is that not true? There's darkness because of the curse of sin and rebellion. We live in a fallen world. Where not everybody's motives are pure and where not everybody's intentions are honorable. And we live in a world where people want to rip you off and take advantage of you. We live in a world where people want to pull the rug out from under you. And and sometimes they come as con men and and sometimes they come with with a lot nicer demeanor. I, I mean, all of us have been done wrong. Amen. Has anybody not been done wrong in this place? All of us have at one time or another had somebody... Take advantage of us. It's a dark world. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. It is God's flashlight in our life. And just as a flashlight could be used to go into a dark garage or a dark basement, and that you would use the flashlight in order to navigate around boxes and all that junk you keep in in your attic or your garage or your basement, and, and you get the flashlight out so you don't trip over things. It says the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of man, with the Spirit of the Lord in there, is the lamp of the Lord. He gives us the ability to navigate this dark world without tripping as much as we do and without being taken advantage of as much as we are. And how much more are we going to need this in last days if the Scripture is true, and I believe it is, that there is going to be false Christs and false prophets and false teachers and false apostles and they're going to be false believers the bible says and a false anointing and how are we going to know the difference in all of that unless we discern now i want you to understand the difference between discernment and suspicion it's very important discernment and suspicion you know there are some things that are very very close but they have to be distinguished let me give you an example. Suspicion. Suspicion is what is based in fear. Fear. Everyone say fear. See, when we fear, we can become suspicious. Now, the Bible says God hath not given us a spirit of what? Yeah, God had not given you a spirit of fear. So if you're moving out of fear and you're suspicious, you can't play games with your vocabulary and say, I'm just walking in discernment. See, that's not discernment. See, fear is usually the result of wounds. You've been wounded. You've been hurt. There's a stronghold that's developed. Maybe you've had lots of hurts in your life. And, and, and you know, I've listened to, and, and, and I'm just going to use a few examples I've heard. I've heard. I've heard ladies say who've been burned several times by unrighteous men. All men, all men are devils. Well, there may be a little devil in all men, but all men are necessarily devils. Just like all women aren't necessarily Jezebels. Are you with me? But you get burned by two or three devils or Jezebels, you begin to think everybody's like that. And the reason you're suspicious is based in your fear, not because that may be God. And so and so, if there's insecurities or if there's jealousies and if there's speculations, if there are things that have not been have not been resolved in your life, there are a lot of times all of a sudden suspicion will rise up and you'll just spiritualize it, which is what we do in so many areas. See, we spiritualize and go, I'm I'm walking in discernment. Well, no, you're not. You're walking in suspicion. I've had people say before, well, I'm walking in wisdom and prudence. And I want to say, no, you're stiff-necked and you're rebellious. You won't be obedient. You understand we play games with words. And so we've got to be honest enough to say, where is this being birthed from? Is this being birthed out of my fears? Or discernment is based in faith. Go ahead and throw that up there. Discernment is based in faith. Discernment has to flow out of a good spirit that is connected to the spirit of God. And it's going to take a little bit, and I'm going to share with you how that can happen here in just a minute, that you can begin to distinguish between whether it's suspicion or discernment. I'll talk about that in just a minute. But we just got to lay it out there that, that some folk are suspicious to the nth degree. They've been burned so many times, they're just suspicious, and that's not discernment. But at the same time, there are so many people that just swallow anything that comes, they need a little discernment. Now, why is this important? Why is all this something we're talking about today? It's because we are living, folks, in the most confusing spiritual times, I believe, in all of church history. And I've, got, and I've got degrees in church history, so I can tell you there have been some really confusing times, but we are living in one of the most confusing times in all of church history. And as I said, next week I'm just going to touch on, on the glorious church and how God's going to do some incredible things because the glory of the latter house is greater than the former. But before we can get there, if we believe that there's going to be a great and glorious church that will arise in the earth, do we not also believe that Satan's best tactic would be to raise up a counterfeit one? Because if he can keep you confused, he can keep you shut down. Amen. I mean, he may not have won you, but after after he loses the initial battle of whether you're going to be saved or not, then all he's got left is just to keep you confused. If he can keep you confused, he can shut you down. So, so discernment is going to be very, very important. We live in an era that tolerates just about anything and everything. We have nationally recognized ministers stumbling and dodging over the truth of Jesus being the only way. I told you one other time, put me on Larry King. When he asked me, are you telling me that other people will go to hell? I'll say, I'm not saying it first. Paul did and Jesus did, but I'm repeating them, Yes. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the door, not one of many. It's not let's make a deal. He is one door. And that's how you get to heaven. Now, the Jews think you're going to practice the law, and they do what they do. The Hindus venerate cows like their ancestors. That's what they do. Then you've got, you know, Muslims. They blow themselves up, some of them, the real... The real fundamental radical, they'll blow themselves up and they think they get to heaven that way. And the rest of us are infidels. Nobody seems to have a problem with their exclusivity. Jesus, that's why people, you see, Jesus is the truth because it irritates people. That's one of the indicators of truth when you irritate somebody. But we're in an era that tolerates anything and everything. Let's not make anybody, don't make anybody mad. We're going to tolerate it. We live in a day, here's another big word everybody can write down and impress your friends and neighbors. It's the word syncretism. It's a big word, doesn't it? sounds really, ooh, what's that? Is that a disease? Do I need to get an antibiotic for that? Syncretism is the blending together of incompatible ideas. The blending together of incompatible ideas. Kind of like the idea that says you can be saved and sin like the devil. That's an incompatible idea. Now, I realize there are theologies out there that will teach you that, but I'm telling you. Incompatible idea. So we've got to understand that, that this is going to take incredible, incredible discernment. We are being groomed to be deceived because we're not exercising our senses to discern. Now, I want to make this real practical. I've gone through all of this. Let's just get to something really, really practical, okay? Practical. How are you going to protect your family and relationships that you have without discernment? How are you going to protect them? How are you going to protect them spiritually? How are you going to protect them financially? How are you going to protect those that you're having charge over in all things that they will face? How are you going to protect your children from other children or families? Do you think everybody just suddenly walks their kids out and hands them to a sexual predator? says, here, have my child. You think that's how it works? I don't think so. I think that there is a a delusion that begins to enter in, and all of a sudden we get snagged. And I'm telling you, we need discernment. I'm talking to whether it's a single lady or a single man. Who do you know who you should give your heart away to without discernment? I mean, how do you know? Unless you discern. Teenagers, how do you know who you're going to be friends with this year at school unless you get a little discernment in your life? Well, they seem okay. They seem friendly. You know, they accept me into their group, and all of a sudden you're there, and suddenly you're taken down a road, and you're in trouble. That's just the practical, some of the practical basis of discernment. I have people tell me all the time, after they've been snagged, they'll say this, Well, Pastor, they said they were a believer. (laughs) Well, James said... The devils believe. How do you know that you aren't fellowshipping with the devil? Well, they said they were Christian, pastor. They said they were a Christian. Well, sweet Jesus, that label is about as loose today as it has ever been. I have people saying they're Christian, and what that means is they're not Muslim, they're not Hindu. I mean, they're none of the above, so that means they must be Christian. No, it doesn't. It just means you're none of the above. I don't people say I'm a Christian. That doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I mean, we just hear everybody. Everybody's a Christian. We have to perceive again. It's becoming an essential aspect of spiritual life. Now, listen to me. It is easy once you get aggravated by all of this to fall into suspicion because you just get tired of getting snagged, you get tired of getting bit you get tired of being taken advantage of and because, again, you've been wounded, you've been hurt, you've got, you're full of distrust, and so you drop into suspicion. But you've got to break out of your suspicion, keep a good spirit in your life, and be confident about the Holy Spirit helping you to exercise discernment. Now, I'm going to share two quick things, and then I'm going to go into how we can do this better. I'm going to do this really quick. Get your pencils out, all right? Listen to me, Get your a short pencil is better than a long memory. Number one, I want to remind you that the counterfeit has always and will always be around. There will always be counterfeit things in the earth. The first time we really see this is when Moses goes to the courts of Pharaoh, and as he's appealing to Pharaoh to let the people go, you'll recall the story, he, he drops the staff, or I guess actually Aaron dropped the staff. And when the staff dropped, it turned into what? It turned into a snake. Well, then all of a sudden, Janice and Jambries comes up, and they drop their sticks. And what did they turn into? Snakes. So here we got God turning a staff into snakes, and we've got magicians turning staffs into snakes. We got snakes all over the place. But the question is, which is the real snake? Well, at first... You might not be able to tell. In fact, at first, they all just looked like snakes. And you could say, I suppose, wow, Janice and Jamborees, the magicians of Egypt, they must be anointed. Look, they make snakes too. And we could all go running after Janice and Jamborees, and how many of you know that would be a deception? Are you with me? Despite the fact everybody turned their staff into a snake. But the key is, eventually, eventually, God's snake will consume the counterfeit. Now, that may take a little time. It may take a little shaking of things out. But God's work always lasts. Satan, all Satan can do is is counterfeit. He cannot create anything. But it's critical that we begin to discern good from evil the enemy cannot keep you from God if he can't keep you from God He wants to keep you confused off track and ultimately off target and that's why he does all this stuff He does religious things to keep you off target now The second thing I want to mention is this the counterfeit only proves that a reality exists Now what do I mean by that in other words? In fact, I shared this again at leadership class a few weeks ago. There's no such thing as a counterfeit $3 bill. Right? And and you know why that is. It's because there's no such thing as a $3 bill. So you can't counterfeit that which is false. All you can counterfeit is that which is real. You can counterfeit a 1, a 5, a 10, a 20, a 100. You can counterfeit those bills because there is a reality that exists so you can be confused and be snagged. Now, the Bible tells us that there will be false Christs. There will be false prophets, false teachers, false anointing, false believers, false apostles. But hear me now, all that does is simply underscore the fact that behind that counterfeit is a reality. If there's a false prophet, then there must be true prophets. If there's a false apostle, there must be true apostles. If there's false anointing, there's got to be a true anointing. And what that should do to us is not get us in a ditch because we got snagged, but it should cause us to arise and pursue after that which is real. Don't you let something that is false keep you from pursuing that which is real. That's what God's waiting for to see a people who will do this. Now, if you don't believe that to be true, let me read you a verse. I just read this this week. Deuteronomy chapter 13. L- listen to this verse. This is really an interesting verse. You're, you're going to need to chew on this. I did. Deuteronomy 13.1. Listen to this. It says, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder and the sign or the wonder, listen to this, comes to pass so it happened of which he spoke to you saying let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them so in other words there's a there's a prophet that comes up he does a sign or a wonder it comes to pass and then he says let's go this direction let's go serve let's go serve some idols let's go serve other gods let's go let's i'm going to draw you away from here and let's go over here listen to what the lord says verse three you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams for the lord your god listen is testing you to know whether you love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him, keep his commandments, obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Can I just give you an example? If there's ever a time signs and wonders show up and you begin to pursue the blessing, you begin to pursue the stuff, you begin to pursue the gold, you begin to pursue all the the ancillary stuff. If someone looks at you and says, we're going to start pursuing something other than God himself, the Lord says that came your direction in order to test you. God's testing some of us. The hour you and I are living in, we're finding out if we're in this because of the stuff or if we're in this because of him. God's testing us. You remember when the Pharisees and Sadducees in Matthew 16 come up to Jesus and they they try to solicit a sign out of him and Jesus says, he says this, he says, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. He said, I'll tell you, there'll be no other sign besides that which was given through Jonah, which really is a sign of the resurrection, the cross and the resurrection. Jesus was looking at this. He says, I, don't have, I do not have to be your, your sign sideshow. I don't have to be, I don't have to be your, your, your weekly gimmick so that somehow or another you feel good about yourself and, and, and you just get everything you want. He said, that's a wicked and adulterous generation. And you know why he said wicked and adulterous is because there are people chasing after signs, saying they, they're serving God, saying they're after the Lord. And truth is, they're being adulterous. Amen. And you say, well, but there's such an anointing. But there's no character. There's no character. Now, we've got to start discerning, people. Now, I'm going to give you just a couple things here about discerning. Paul tells us that there's a gift of the discerning of spirits. In 1 Corinthians 12.10, he says that there is a gift. Of all the gifts of the Spirit, he puts in the middle of it, there's a gift of discernment. And like all nine of the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Lord can impart to whomever and whenever he wants, uh, as he pleases, the gift of discernment. But just because, listen to me, there is a gift of discernment, it does not give us the ability to say, well, I just don't have that gift so I guess I'm not responsible. That's wrong. There is a place for every believer to exercise greater discernment. In fact, I believe it's going to become a matter of spiritual life and death probably in the next 10 to 20 years. We're going to have to learn how to discern better as a movement and as individual believers. And so I'm just going to give you some practical suggestions. I think there were five quick things. Write these down. Number one, how do I increase discernment in my life number one you've got to ask for it to be increased truth is we have not because we ask not and and james said that when we ask we ask amiss the truth is we don't value discernment in the same way we value signs wonders and miracles we don't value discernment over a good show we don't value discernment over getting blessed we don't We don't value discernment over prosperity. I am totally committed to all of the above. I am committed to the present working of the Holy Spirit. But we have devalued what God said is critical because we want that which is flashy, that which is instant, that which is dramatic. We want all the stuff. We want his blessings. And the truth of the matter is we are shipwrecking ourselves because we aren't asking for simple discernment. Now, I'm just going to, you know, whenever you read the Bible, the Bible will always mess you up. 1 Kings chapter 3, listen to this. I know I'm I'm reading a lot of verses to you. I apologize. I don't normally do this. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. Listen to this. Solomon is coming to the throne. Listen to this. This will blow your mind. 1 Kings 3, 9. This is what Solomon says to the Lord. He says, Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern. Everyone say discern. So he's about ready to become king, and he's asking... Something from the Lord, and he says, I want an understanding heart to judge, and that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then listen, then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days." This is the part that the enemy has hoodooed us in, and that is we have run after this stuff when God says it's time to get a discerning heart, and if we'd ask for discernment, God says, I'll give you the whole thing. Riches and everything. Now, God's going to know your heart if you just do that after service today and say, well, I'm going to start asking for discernment because I get the stuff. You don't think God won't know that? Come on now. Discernment, discernment got Solomon an understanding heart, and he got all the other things we always clamor for. Discernment. So we have to ask, ask for it to be increased. Number two, we've got to increase our understanding of the Word. The Holy Spirit is not going to violate the scripture He inspired. And it is important that we're not just pulling a verse out here, there, and everywhere. That's what people like to do. They'll grab a verse, and then they'll just stand on that. And they will not embrace the whole counsel of God. And you have to understand that God didn't just write a couple, two, three verses here that make you happy. He wrote the whole thing. And the whole thing is the owner's manual. And we've got to embrace and increase the whole understanding of the Word of God. In Hebrews 4.12, listen, it says... For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division. And this is the part you need to underline. The division or the distinguishing of soul and spirit. If you want to know how you can distinguish between suspicion and discernment, here's the verse. The word of God can begin to help you distinguish between your suspicion and your discernment because it distinguishes between your soul and your spirit. It says it can... uh, Division of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart And there is no creature hidden from his sight But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account So we've got to break out of being one verse wonders I mean we get a verse or two here and and we just ride that thing and our whole life is constructed around two verses Some of us have the faith verses down Some of us have the healing verses down Some of us have the prosperity verses down. I understand they're all in the Bible. I believe them all. But God is telling us it's time we got the character verses down. And we got the holiness verses down. And we got the purity verses down. And we get the maturity verses down. We have Christians who've been to church for decades and they can't deal with simple temptations. God, help us. How can we have gone to church for 30 years and the first time a little temptation comes away and they'll go, oh, the pastor, pastor, the lust was so powerful. Dear God, you're an overcomer. How are we going to rule nations? Dear God, you can't rule the channel on the television set. You want to rule? You want to rule and exercise influence? Be the CEO of a corporation. Hallelujah. You can't rule your eyes on a computer screen. Come on, man. We've we've got to increase our understanding of the word. We've got to overcome. We've got to get this in our life. God's going to do great things in your life. He has destined you for greatness. You know what just irritates the hound out of me? You think I'm mad at you because I'm just mad at you sometimes? That's really not the reason. I'm mad at you because I see greatness in you. I see things that you can't even see yourselves. I see what God could do. The influence he could give. The the amazing things that he could work in your life. And what irritates me is, is that you parcel it off like Esau did for a bowl of soup. Because he couldn't rule his stomach. So I'm really not mad at you. I'm just mad at what could be. Amen. We've got to increase our understanding of the word. Number three, we've got to get rid of the things that produce gullibility. Do you know people are gullible? Do you know that? In 2 Timothy, those passages I read to you, you know, about, about last days, if I would have read on, When you get down to verse, what is it? Verses, uh, excuse me, verse 6, after having a form of godliness in verse 5, verse 6, it says, For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women. Now, I know Paul used gullible women, but I'm telling you, there are a lot of gullible men. The get rich quick stuff, the shortcut stuff. Women aren't the only ones that are gullible. But it says here, gullible women loaded down with sins led away by various lusts. People are gullible because the lack of sanctification in people's lives make them susceptible to error. You know, one of the words for sin is to miss the mark. Harmatiah actually means like an archer who's pulling back an arrow and releases it as it's going for a bullseye. Sin means to miss the bullseye. Now, I want to hit the will of God. I want to hit God's bullseye for my life. But in order to do hit the bullseye, I've got to reduce sin and increase discernment. And the problem is, is that people are gullible because they allow willful known sin. Now, I'm not, I mean, I understand we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So don't come up to me and say, "Wow, we all sin. Not all sins the same sin. All right. I know we want, to say, we, want to, we want to say the same sin as not doing our devotions in the morning is the same sin as, as violating your marriage or you know, sexual immoralities and all the other crazy sins. It's not the same. It's not the same. And, and what happens is, is because we're not dealing with sin, willful sin in our life, what happens is, is that we become gullible. It, it enables an open door in our life to draw us and pull us in a direction where we're not going to hit the target. And so we've got to begin to reduce those things that make us gullible. We've got to begin to reduce those areas of life that are causing us just to walk silly and stupid and and begin to increase those areas that cause us to be on target and hit hit the mark, all right? So so get rid of that. Number four, got to hurry. Maintain your fear of the Lord. Maintain your fear of the Lord. Malachi 3. Yes, Malachi said some things besides tithing. Malachi 3.16. Listen to this. It says, then those who feared the Lord, anybody here fear the Lord? Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. He says, verse 17, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. And on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him, then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. So we've got to begin to maintain our fear of the Lord. Folks, it's time if we say we fear the Lord to begin to say something and to listen to those who fear the Lord, our brothers and our sisters, about some of the silly, childish things that may not only be going on in our life, but may be going on in the body of Christ at large. I fear God. I believe many of you fear God as well. But the name of the Lord is being smeared. The Lord is not my buddy. He's not my, whatever, my download, my up, you know, upload. I he's, he's the Lord. Homeboy, yeah, I don't know what he is. To some people, I mean, he's the man. He, no, he's the Lord. We need to fear the Lord. We need to esteem his name. We need to declare unashamedly the name of Jesus. Be careful what we attach to his name. We've got to get the fear of the Lord back. You get the fear of the Lord back and you'll begin to discern a whole lot better. Then finally, number five, you've got to practice it. Hebrews 5.14 says, who by reason of use. If you, if you don't use your discernment, don't think you're going to have any. When the day comes, you're really going to need it. Reason of use, reason of use, reason of use you got to get up every morning and say, Lord, today is a day I'm going by reason of use to have to use my discernment. Not suspicion, discernment. I believe you're going to send me into a dark and cloudy world and I'm going to need my spiritual radar up and rolling. I'm going to need discernment. But it's by reason of use. You'll never discern the big thing until you get some small things. I, I mean, we're just, we just have trouble discerning. Some of you can't discern a Friendship. I'm sorry you get with certain people and they lead you down a road and whenever they lead you down that road you always find yourself in trouble and let me tell you I can discern it and don't even know them and how do you discern it bad company corrupts good morals and, and you've got you got to get a little discernment back in your life practice some discernment some discernment if you're sitting downstairs your kids are upstairs and their door is closed and you sit there and say to yourself well I wonder what they're doing with that closed door that's the holy ghost Because you know what some of you do? Well, I don't, I, I don't need to do that. You know, I trust my kids. You're crazy. <laughs> you know why? It's not that you got bad kids. I'm not saying the kids are bad. Don't misunderstand me. they got a carnal nature, though. You understand that? And it's probably stronger than yours because it's still in its teenage years. Amen. Yeah, I mean, when it goes from about, you know, 11 to 12 to 13, I mean, there's, there, the governor comes off that carnal nature you understand what i'm saying that that's practical practical folks we need discernment do you know we're going to need some discernment in our presidential election do you understand that i'm sure in this room i could probably mention one i could probably mention the other and i probably have cheering section and booing section and all kinds of things i'm just here to tell you we better get some discernment We better seek God in these things. The hour is now that we start learning from these moments and we get our discerner up to speed. I'm going to tell you again, single moms, you're going to have to get some discernment before you say I do to that guy. You're going to have to get some discernment. Young people, you're going to have to get some discernment before you become friends with that person at school. You're going to need some discernment. talking to businessmen business women you're going to need discernment before you take that job you make that deal you sign that contract you better get some discernment i'll never forget pastor larry Stockstill telling us the story at a pastor's conference he was all ready to sign the papers in order to build a new church at the south campus and he said as he was at the closing table at that very moment he felt the holy spirit say don't sign that thing and he backed away from it and said, I'm not going to sign it. And, and just a month or two after that is when the economy went south and finances changed. And it can change in a church of that size and that magnitude. That's discernment, man. Church, we're going to need some discernment before we just embrace anything that calls itself Christian. I'm just going to give you a heads up. I'm going to do my best and I probably won't be perfect at it. But... I just feel like the Lord's saying you've got to exercise greater discernment in the days ahead. Don't be frustrated if God's, if God's working through your discernment. Be happy. He's keeping you out of a ditch. Keeping you out of a jail cell. Keeping you from losing some money. Keeping you from making a bad relational decision. It may break your heart for a moment, but you'll be glad in the big picture for that one short moment than living with that one long repercussion. That's discernment. Discernment can save your life. Yes, it can. And I'm just going to pray that God gives us greater discernment. Amen? Let's all stand, shall we please? Thank you, Lord. Everybody's standing for just a minute. Let's begin to seek God right now. Father, Lord, as a people, we just begin to seek you today. We know that this is a very subjective area. There's some objective things we get from your word that tells us clearly what we need to do and and not do. And Lord, we need to know it better, embrace it better, implement it better. But Lord, there's also that subjective area that is not so easily known right off the bat. And that's when we need the discerning. The discerning of spirits, the discerning of what God you're up to, the discerning of intents and motives and thoughts. And and so, Lord, right now, we just seek as the people discernment from you. Would you right now, where you're standing, just begin to ask God, would you pray like Solomon did of old and just say, Lord, today I come before you and I ask that you would give me a wise and understanding heart. How can I how can I walk through this earth? How can I how can I be effective, much less successful in a dark dark place unless i have an understanding heart and and you give me discernment that i can discern between what is good and what is evil what is right and what is wrong so lord we cry out today as the people of god once again for discernment in our lives lord quicken us in our inner man right now quicken us in our spirit lord that we might begin to discern in even greater measure. Lord, that's our heart's cry. Holy Spirit, knock the gullibility out of us. Knock the childishness out of us. The silliness out of us. The giddiness out of us. Lord, we fear you. We respect you. And we want, Lord, to be effective, successful prospering blessed people but lord i believe the hour is upon us where you're not looking just to endorse or enable our our wants and our desires but you're asking us are we in this are we in this for your will are we in this for your purpose and lord the only way we'll get there is when you give us some more discernment come on now some of you right now i spoke to you and 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 you may have a situation before you right now and you've not yet done the deal you've not signed the document you've not made the commitment you've not whatever you've not done whatever it is that you need to do i'm telling you right now i'm not saying back out of it hear me i'm not saying back out of it but i am telling you right now you may not have exercised discernment and maybe this afternoon you'll need to get before the lord and say lord i I need to see beyond just my senses because all things good aren't necessarily god i'll say that again all things good are not always and necessarily god i've watched people get promotions and it could it was really the worst thing that could have ever happened to them it pulled them out of the house of god it destroyed their families it caused them to lose sight of what true priority is in their life i don't know that that was the lord maybe they just handled the blessing wrong i don't know but i know that not everything good is always god you need to discern you need to discern. Some of you right now, I'm just telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spare you. You need to pray about some relationships. I'm talking to young people and their friends. I'm talking to some of you adults and your friends. And I'm talking to young men and young ladies about boyfriends, girlfriends. I'm just telling you, you need to cry out to God and say, give me discernment. Come on now. I'm telling you, don't you, don't you just suck in that flattering divination. There's some flattering divination that's being thrown around, you know, something divination. There's some flattering divination that's being thrown around, you know, something divination. There's some flattering divination that's being thrown around, you know, something divination. There's some flattering divination that's being thrown around, you know, something divination. There's some flattering divination that's being thrown around, you know, know, something divination. There's some flattering divination that's being thrown around. You know, some divination.